you have your Bibles, we're going to start Colossians chapter 1 today. Kind of recap of a little bit of last week and then uh, take us a little bit further today. Um, I really don't know um, how far we're going to take this, but um, I feel like God was saying last week, look back at some of this stuff from Old Testament that kept them from going into the promised land. And I was thinking about that yesterday and thinking how much do I need to look at what they what they did versus what we're supposed to do, right? Because that's what our focus needs to be on is what we're supposed to be doing now. Um, and I don't want to keep looking back because we need to be looking forward. Um, but yesterday um, I had to go to the school and get the ground watered a little bit. Um, because we're having um, like those signed people come in saying welcome back blah 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 you know and so they had sent a text saying that everywhere they're going to do that they can't get the little stakes in the ground and you know, please soften it up a little bit um, and I thought about that as I'm watering that that the watering of the word it begins to take that calloused part and begins to get it prepped for the receiving of the word so um, feel like this is where we're supposed to be today but um we're going to, again, talk a little bit um, about last week, and then we'll go on a little bit further uh, this week into that. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, <clears throat> it says, Even though you were once, say it with me, once, as past tense, distant from Him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, He reconnected you back to Himself. Right? Once distant some of your versions, New King James, maybe says alienated in your what? In your mind, in your thoughts, in your thinking. And he brought you back to himself and he releases supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell. Say it with me. Dwell. That means you stay there, right? So that you would dwell in His presence. And now, say it with me, now, not later, not... I'm talking about right now. There is nothing between you and Father God. For He sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, so there is an advancing in your faith, assured of a firm foundation... Right? So you get the foundation, then you're supposed to grow upon. Assured of a firm foundation to grow upon. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel. Listen to these words. You have believed in. Very important. That you believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. Paul was a person that um, ridiculed beaten up, left for dead uh, multiple occasions and this is the gospel that he preached right and so last week we looked at the Israelites they come out of bondage from Pharaoh, Pharaoh had them they come to the Red Sea the Red Sea parts, they get a cross with signifying a baptism and immersion as they are coming up out of that the enemy is swallowed up in that right and so they have no more tyranny of Pharaoh, but 
They get to Mount Sinai, to the wilderness of Paran. And so they can't, even though they've gotten out of Egypt, they can't get Egypt out of their mind. That slave mentality, that I'm not good enough mentality, um, works-based mentality. I reminded you last week that the wilderness of Paran was the same place that Ishmael was, was sentenced to whenever they kicked him out of the camp. He went to the wilderness of Paran, so that also represents law. And so then we get to at Mount Sinai, the covenant was made, and they wander around the wilderness of Paran and a little bit of the ended up in the plains of Moab, where they where they did not get to enter in to this place of rest that Hebrews was talking about to this place of promised land. So they exited out of that place where Pharaoh has this tyranny on them. Right? Same thing with us. Thank present tense, think new covenant, right now, present day believers, we have been released from the bondage of Pharaoh, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, Diablos, all these names that we have for him. We have been broken from that, right? But that mindset is still between the ears that has to be flushed out and made whole, okay? And so we can't continue to enter into rest if we're going to have that slave mentality. That's why he says in Hebrews, kick him out the camp. Meaning we can't have this mixture of law and grace. You have to receive. It is a believe upon, right? Many times throughout just the book of Hebrews, he's reminding you of this place of rest and he keeps reminding you why they didn't enter in. It was because of their belief and how you're going to enter in is because of your belief, right? So let's look at some of the things that they did not get right. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. This is a New King James Version in verse 2. And all the children of Israel complained. They did what? Complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. What was the first thing that they did wrong? Complaining. Complaining. Right? They did not. If you're complaining, are you trusting the word? No, you're not trusting the word of God. So they were complaining. First mistake. Then they made a covenant with death. What did they say? We sh should have died. Right? Leave us out here to die. In the wilderness, wherever. But they're making a covenant with death. Remember we looked at that last week where they made a covenant with death. Right? How often are we also in this same familiar pattern? Look, it's a pattern. I'm going to show you. Go to chapter 20. Go over six chapters of chapter 20. Beginning of that. In chapter 20, look at verse 3. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had what? Died. When our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, and we and our animals should die here? They're making a covenant with what? Death. They wanted a covenant with death. Why? They thought that that would be the final release of bondage. 
I want you to think about it. We're still going to look at the same people, but I want you to get it in your mind what this was this happening. Fast forward, New Covenant believers. Hebrews says that we are to enter into finally this place of rest that they did not get to enter into. Right? That's the promised land is the rest. So here they are. Think New Covenant. Think how we do church today. Forty years in the wilderness. Did they see miracles? Yes or no? Yes. Did they see wonders? Yes or no? Yes. Every time they cried out to God, thinking that they were a, in the first verse we just read in Numbers, a victim. Every time they thought they were a victim and they cried out, did God still rescue them? Yeah, after one of these passages we just read, it says, and then the snakes were released. And then they cried out to God again. Moses lifted his staff, put the snake on it, right? Every time they cried out to God, he met them there. New covenant. New Testament believers. Do you look much different? We're satisfied when we get a Miracle, sign, a wonder, we must be on the right track. I cried out to God and He met me. Again, some good things were happening for Him. Don't get me wrong. But what was the difference in that mentality? Versus the Joshua generation that enters into a place of rest. One, we're still over here complaining, asking God, asking God, begging for help, God do this. Versus Joshua generation that enters in. And now we're on the offense. We're moving forward forward even when we see giants in the land, even when we see that there is um, our land that is supposed to be ours looks like somebody else has got it. We're, before we fell back, begging, pleading with God, we're a, big, we're a victim, we're a victim, we're a victim. And instead, going into the promised land with the supernatural plan of God. Who gives you wisdom in the secret place and strategies against the enemy's warfare so that it falls like the walls of Jericho and you just walk on up in there like you own the place. That's a different mentality. So I don't want us to just keep looking back at these Israelite people saying, why couldn't they see? Why couldn't they see? Well, why can't we see? The whole thing, the reason why we have the Word of God in the Old Covenant is for us to look back and learn from it so that we do not keep repeating its steps. Right? Isn't that what Paul reminds us about the Word? Like he says, so should we just done away with it altogether? You're like, no. It's, it's, it's there for a reason. To show us where we messed up. So that you don't wander around and around until the day that you die. What about that part? You hear people saying that? Well, we'll finally get victory if we finally just leave this world and die. 
and you make a covenant, not with God. We call it God. We put some holy terms on it and sing Beulah Land, how I'm longing for you. Whenever the Bible completely says you live in Beulah Land now. Hebrew says you've already arrived there. It's a big difference, guys. I'm meddling. <laughs> meddling with myself. Because I can't give you something he's not already dealing with me about. <laughs> me and Bill were talking about that this morning with our mindsets. Like, I grew up, my nickname was Rounder. Like, I deal with that, still fight that sensation that when I look in the mirror, that I look like Fat Albert instead of Brian Rogers. Doesn't matter what size I am. I can be 180, I can be 230. I look the same every time I look. It's a mindset. It's a battle. That's right. So look at the next chapter. Look at chapter 21. Verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. What's the soul of the people? What is that? Their what? Somebody said it. Mind, their will, their emotions. So what did it say about their soul? And the soul of the people became very discouraged. You know what happens whenever we're looking at things through the lens of the things that we can taste, touch, see, hear, feel? When we're looking through the lens of the five senses of the natural realm, our soul becomes entangled with that and it puts emotion to that. And when emotion lines up with faith, so let it be. Positive or negative. Life or death. Life or death. That's how it works. That's how the kingdom operates, right? And so here their soul becomes untangled with their situation and become very discouraged on the way, verse 5, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to what? See it again? Die in the wilderness, for there is no food, no water, our soul loathes this worthless bread. What was the bread? Wasn't He providing for them supernaturally with them? And then to call that worthless. The whole point of the bread was to show them their daily need of Christ. He is the bread of life. Jesus later on when He comes on the scene, He says, I am the bread of life. And He says, all that was to point to show that you need Me daily sustenance from Me. Right? And here... They took a miracle and turned it around for something bad in their mind because they saw themselves as a victim. What did they start doing? Comparing themselves to the world. Comparing themselves to everybody else. Getting tired of the same old, same old instead of just trusting God. Right? Remember, a week and a half, they would have just trusted the Word. They would already be where they are supposed to be. But now we're wondering... Year after year after year after year after year till finally gives way to death. 
That's not much different than what I see, guys, today, when you think about it. Somewhere we were taught that the promised land is one day in the sweet, sweet by and by in heaven. That is not what Hebrews says at all. Not at all. Like, just read Hebrews. Just start at the beginning and go to the end. And see, does it say that? It says the opposite. Complete opposite. Right? So they complain and make this covenant with death. Now look at what Hebrews says. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Since I said read it, we'll just read some of it ourselves. Hebrews 3.19 is where we left off last time. So I'm going to left off at chapter 3. And I'm going to read that last verse that we read last week. In verse 19... It says, it is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance. Why? Because they wrapped their hearts in what? See why it's so important to believe? They wrapped their hearts, their thought life, into unbelief. Not believing the word that was given to them. Then chapter 4 says, now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. Who's it for? You. Me. So we must be extremely careful. Like he didn't say it's automatically going to happen here. He says you've got to be careful to ensure that we all embrace. What is embrace? Guess what that word's tied to? Believe. <laughs> embrace the fullness of that promise Believing, holding on to it, your actions follow it, and not fail to, see why I said actions? Experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Didn't I say that? We've, all, we've heard the good news, what? No longer bondage. I set you free from the enemy. We've all heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the Word. See, we're still walking around prison cell doors open and we're still sitting in the prison. Why? Not joining our faith with the Word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them where? Deeply. Where's that at? The heart. Not the mind. The heart. It didn't affect them deeply for they doubted. For those of us who, what again? Believe. What was the opposite of that from the sentence before that? They doubted. But for those of us who will believe, faith does something in us. It activates the promise. And we experience, listen to this, this is something it is saying, when, this is present tense experience. It's not saying one day when you die and you go to heaven one day that you're going to experience this. It's saying in an experience right now, present tense is what, the, is what the verb form is here. So in present tense, it's saying you're going to experience this when? Right now. And we experience this, listen to this, the realm of confident rest. You can experience it now. For he has said, past tense, I was grieved with them and that they made a solemn oath that they will not enter into my rest. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. For it says in the Scriptures, on the seventh day, God did what? Rested from all His works. And again, as He stated before, they will not enter into my rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Was they the first... Let me just ask this. Were they the... Listen to this, because it says... 
Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the realm of faith's rest. Were they the first ones that didn't enter in into faith's rest? Who was the first ones that didn't enter in faith's rest? Say it louder. Adam and Eve. They were spoken, told who they were, and instead of resting in that, what did they do? They went to the striving world of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? So they didn't get to enter into rest. Now we got these people, the Israelites, God's people. They did not enter into rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter in to the faith, rest, life, not death, guys. It says we have the opportunity right now, today, to enter into the faith, rest, life, meaning you can experience it now and experience the fulfillment of the promise when? Right now. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into a day called, guess what? What is that? For God still has ordained a day for us. Oh, well, see, now he's getting to it. It's going to be somewhere in the sweet by and by. Just in case you think that, he says to enter into called today. For it was long afterwards that God repeated in David's words, if only today you would listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts. Now, that is again, it clarifies. Some of the Old Testament passages will say God hardened the heart, right? Just to clarify real quick. You keep reading all throughout the Old Covenant and get to the New Covenant. They start weeding that out of the Old Covenant, realizing it wasn't God that hardened heart, right? It was the people themselves with their unbelief and Satan himself, right? So same thing here. You can harden your own heart by continuing to reject and not believe, okay? So... For God still has ordained today, called today. For as long as God repeated David's words, if only today you would listen to his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, so we could argue and say, well, I know they didn't enter in, but then there was a generation, Joshua generation, that did enter in. But then what did he say? God wouldn't have spoke later of another rest if that was the case. Yet to come, so we conclude that there is still a full so they still, Joshua generation, even though they went a step further, it wasn't the full that we were supposed to, to do. But listen to this. There is still a full, complete Sabbath rest waiting for who? Who? Believers. What do believers do? <laughs> the only work in the kingdom. Jesus says there's only one work in the kingdom. What? Believe. For believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith, rest, life, we cease from our own works. Again, that knowledge of good and evil, striving, trying to do it on our own, trying to prove ourselves. We cease from that just as God celebrates His finished work and rest in them. So then, we must be eager to experience this faith rest life. We, like This is what we should wake up every morning, eager and ready. And when we go to bed at night, eager and ready to experience this faith rest life. Why? So that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief, just like they did. For we have the living Word of God, which is full of energy, <laughs> like a two-mouth sword. It will even penetrate the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets 
and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. What's he getting at? The what life? The thought life, right? So we got these patterns that we're trying to get rid of. What's going to help? Slash those things and get them out. The what? Are we listening? What we just read? What's sharper than any two-edged sword? Able to even like penetrate anything? The word. The word. True thoughts, secret motives of the heart. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing we do remains a secret. Nothing created and is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes to whom we must render an account. So then, so since all that, He concludes, we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. Like there's some things we still got to figure out. Right? There's some things that we don't know. There's some things that we're still gleaning from. There will be still a hundred years from now things that we'll still be learning. I'll even dare tell you, 2,000 years from now there will be still things that we're gleaning. You know why? The angels are around the throne of God singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. You know why they never get bored with that? Because it's a constant revelation coming out from His throne that never ends. For we have a magnificent King Priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us, now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent King Priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and He conquered sin. So, now, we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. See, we got it way better. We have no excuse. Because He's with us. He's interceding for us. He is taking us. He's giving us the mind of Christ. He is, I mean, we have everything that we need to enter into this rest. But the only way you enter in is the work of the kingdom, which is to what? Believe. Believe it's a finished work. Believe it's to tell us that it is finished. Believe that it is a finished work and believe that I have inherited all things. Right? And it may be in me in seed form now. Or it may be just a little sprout right, right now with one little leaf on it. But guess what? It's growing into oaks of righteousness that will be established that when the storms of this life come, it will not be moved. That's what's happening, right? And so go with me to, to Hebrews 11, verse 13. So he goes through all these people and their faith. He talks about Enoch. He talks about Noah. He goes through all these people. And then we get down to verse 13. And in verse 13 it says, These heroes all died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised to them. But they saw beyond the horizon. I want to say that phrase one more time. How do you see beyond? Spirit realm. You can't see beyond in this realm. You can look all day long. I can see Katie B's out from here, but that would be by far I go. See beyond the horizon. 
to see beyond your situation. To look beyond. Whenever I'm looking at people, I do not look at them as mere humans, he says, anymore. But I look at them through the lens of Christ Jesus. When I'm looking at situations, I do not look at it as a, as a bad situation. I look at it on the other side of it. But the only way I'm going to be able to do that is rise up above where that is. And that's here in this earthly realm. And I rise above in the supernatural realm into the heavenlies where I'm already seated above all those things and get the strategy from heaven to be able to release back here on this earth so that we see Satan's works fall. Right? But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged, listen to this, to a what? Another realm. <laughs> Not this realm. For clearly those who live this way are longing for the appearing of a heavenly city. Not going to one. Did you catch that? Not longing to go to a heavenly city. It says for the appearing of a heavenly city. Where this, we just think about it. He turns graves into garden. We love that, right? And our money just goes around the house going bah, 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 like that. Like we love that. But do we really believe that? Like Katie B said earlier. Like we can talk it, quote it, do all that, but are we really believing? Let it sink in. What are you singing? What are you believing in? That this place here is turning into the kingdoms of this of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. <laughs> like, do we believe it? And if their hearts were still remembering, verse fifteen, listen to that. And if their hearts were still remembering. What they left behind, looking back in the past, they would have found an opportunity to go back. See, you can, you can go backwards. You can live old covenant if you want to. Just cause new covenant is here doesn't mean you automatically live in it. But they couldn't turn back from their hearts. The hearts were fixed on what was far greater, which was what? Heavenly realm. So because of this, God is not ashamed in any way to be called their God, for He has prepared a heavenly city for them. And what's going to happen with the heavenly city? We look in Revelation and I see this city doing what? It's here here right so he says do not allow the past to become that reference again because if they would have allowed that past and continue to look back what would have happened they would go back right so we can't be like that like james says you can't have the two shifting mindsets like we can't go back to law and then try to enter into grace we can't enter into strife and then try to enter into rest like you can't go back there right and so he says it's going to like you're wanting to because that's the way your mind's been trained. Even people who didn't go to church been trained in the striving mentality. In the law of, in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right? Like you read the first part of Romans and it says that law was always there. 
even before Mount Sinai, the law was already there because it was established in the garden when they ate of the tree. That striving mentality. Right? So he says, don't go back there anymore. Look forward. Look in what you have now, which is who? Him. This faith rest life, you enter into Him. Go with me to Isaiah 43, 18-19. I got the Passion Version for this one on the screen for you. It's not in the Bible app, so if you follow along the Bible app, Passion is not in there yet. They haven't updated it, but here it is, Passion Version. Stop dwelling on the what? Past. Don't even remember these former things. I am doing something brand new. Something unheard of. Even now, it sprouts and grows and matures. Like there are some things that me and Brent were talking about earlier this morning. I said, I said for them, I said, I, I feel like all of us really were maturing in it, right? And we're figuring it out. And we're going to get some things wrong here and there. But guess what? We're growing and we're maturing. And as long as we're abiding those things that shouldn't be there, guess what's going to happen as we abide? Those things will be pruned off. Don't you perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. Where's the wilderness mentality? That old mindset. And in that old mindset, I'll be making a way to bring rivers into that wasteland. Right? Jesus says, you anybody come after me, I'll give him rivers of living water that will flow from where? From within. From within. Where's the kingdom? Within. I had uh, Mayor Anthony Keegan come and speak to our group Friday. And one of the things he told my group that stuck with me whenever I was looking at this verse yesterday, he looked at me and he looked at the staff and he said, Brian, he said, we just got brand new locks in the whole building, every door. He said, try those old keys on the door, see if it works. He said, old keys won't open new doors. I said, boy, that's a good word. And he's given us the keys to the kingdom. Not from the old covenant, but of the new. Right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15. So be very careful how you do what? How you live. Not being like those who with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom. For we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. I'm wanting to point this out. and We're going to read all through verse 17. But I'm wanting to point this out because I want you to realize this is on purpose living. Like if you just think your thought life just going to get cleared up just because you heard this message today, you have to apply it. Which means you have to believe it and receive it. Right? For we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes and don't live foolishly for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. There's a lot of things out there that's going to say it's God's will. There's a lot of things out there saying that 
this is the way God is and this is how He is and this is what He does. And we are called through the Word of God to test everything that comes our way. What do you test it with? Like rocks? See if it stands up, throw something at it? You like jump off in the middle of it and see? What did we just read in Hebrews? You want to test it. What do you test it with? The Word. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Right? Jesus spoke of a day coming whenever Holy Spirit would teach you, right? You see, you won't be long teach by man, but the Holy Spirit will teach you. You know what began to happen to me? And Brent probably testified to him, anybody else in this room. When baptism of the Holy Spirit hit me, the Word of God hit me like never before. You have to be careful about what lens you put on when you're reading the Scripture. Okay? I had a different lens set up to that point. And even now, we have to still be careful what lens we're putting on. Like, we can't say we got it all figured out. Right? Like, even, like, for me. Like when I'm reading my, and I'll take things to bring up, like, what you think about this? What you think about this? Like, just testing it. Well, what do we test it with every time, brother? So, for instance, if the Word says New Covenant, New Testament, and He says, you searched the Scriptures but didn't find me, does that mean we just throw this away? No. He says day coming whenever the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. Does that mean just throw this away? What would happen if that's the only verse we read? We probably would just say. Right? But what did he say also in his word? There is a day coming to the Samaritan woman when you'll worship me in spirit and truth. And then what did he say about the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whenever he's coming? Whenever he shows up and he's teaching you all these things, what did he say? And he will bring all the things that I've said before into your remembrance. Remember Paul? He's a scholar. Saul was a scholar. But he had the wrong lens on. So now Holy Spirit takes what was already downloaded into him of Scripture and takes Holy Spirit, infuses him with it with a new lens. And brother, he is giving us the whole New Testament. Right? Same thing he wants to do with you. Holy Spirit is in you to teach you, to walk alongside you, to carry you but to also teach you and to bring all these things back into remembrance as He is working all these old mindsets out of us and to bring us into the purified place where we enter into God's faith rest. One of those things in Ephesians 5 verse 17 in the Amplified Version, it says, don't be vague or thoughtless. Like, you can't just be half-hearted, guys. That's what James is talking about. Double-minded. You can't just que sera, sera, as Andrew Womack said. Like, this is a life on purpose. And I want to point out one thing in Genesis real quick, and then we're going to do, do a little bit of meditating. But Genesis 13... I've never really looked at it this way until now. 
But in verse 14 of Genesis 13, remember he sets them out. And then he says, um, he says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot is separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Didn't I, did I get the passion for that already? Yeah. All right, so let's read it from the passion. After Lot separated from him, Yahweh spoke to Abram, Lift up your eyes and look around. What's he looking with? His eyes. And he's looking around. To the north, the south, east, and to the west. So as far as he can see in what? Every direction. What did we read in Hebrews a while ago? They were able to look beyond what? The horizon. They were able to look beyond the horizon. They were able to look. So he is not just looking at land. He's looking into the what? He's looking into the future. He's looking into what's coming. He's looking at what's going to be established. He had already been promised that he would the, the descendants would be as the sand on the, on the shore. Right? Or the stars in the sky. So he's having to look past what he has now in his hand, and he's having to look as far as the easiest from the west, from the north to the south, all four corners of the earth, and he is looking beyond, right? Look in every direction. Next. The land that I will give to you forever, to you and your seed. So he's looking beyond forever. Right? What's establishing? And I will multiply them until they are as numerous as the specks of dust on the earth. If anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could also be counted. Then listen to this. Now get up and walk through the land, its length and its breadth. All the land you walk upon will be my gift to you. This was something he's having to receive by what? faith. Then he's told to explore it, to walk through it as if it were his, even though he didn't have a record of ownership yet. And sometimes, not sometimes, all the time we are invited into a spiritual realm, a spiritual dimension. Dreams, as you said earlier. A supernatural dimension. Or we can see beyond the horizon by faith and walk it out. Even though we may not have ownership of it yet, even though we don't see the victory yet, we see beyond the situation now. And look as far as you can to the future of what He's going to establish. Just to back this up with New Testament passage, look at Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1, verse 3. For everything that we could ever need for life and godliness has already, say it with me, already been deposited in us by His divine power. So everything that we need is already in us. And again, I, may, I said earlier, it may be in seed form, but it, it's there. Everything that you need is already deposited in you. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him, who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. 
This is an experience He's calling us to, something that we already have, everything that we need, in this glorious manifestation, right? Meaning it's going to manifest, make itself there. As a result of this, He is giving you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. Why? So that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can, again, this is life every day, experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So we're just going to take a minute. I just want you to sit still for a minute and close your eyes. Again, I want you to take a deep breath. I just want you to breathe Yahweh in. You breathe Him in. Every thought you just release as you breathe out. You may just have to tell your mind, I'm breathing Yahweh in. You may just have to say, and I release all thoughts. I breathe you in. I release all thoughts. And I just want you to picture. I want you to picture. As Jesus breathed into the disciples the very breath. His breath. That you're connecting. You're connecting with Him. His breath and your breath are one One spirit. Just begin to whisper that to your heart so that your mind can receive. We are one. We are one. We are one. And it says, for the foundation of the earth, they were in face to face to face to face to face to face to face communion with one another. Oneness together. I just want you to picture yourself in that great circle dance as they are laughing, having fun. I like to compare one of the visions that he gave me one time was that of like a Greek wedding where they're just dancing back and forth, all in sync. And they just all link together and dancing. One moves this way, they all move this way. One moves this way, they all move that way. And you're just enjoying the dancing and the laughing as they look at one another and they laugh. They're so overfilled with joy. And guess what? You're present with them. You know what that tells me? They're overjoyed about you. But you don't know what I've done. smiling over you. You are the apple of their eye. Just enjoy that for a minute. Just enjoy it. Just receive His love. Partner with that love. 
It's an exchange. Some of you may begin to see colors swirl around you, lights swirling around. Some of you listening on podcasts, you might want to get off the road and do it later. But as those swirling around you, you begin to be taken up and up and up. As if you're leaving this dimension. You're leaving this realm. And it's establishing you for you to be able to see at his right hand. Where you really exist, Ephesians says. Jesus wraps his arms around you, your brother, your friend. He points out, he wants you to see beyond. Just look at all that. There's no chaos at what he's showing you. What he's showing you is the finished work.